ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! podcast what is up once again it is your host boogie the beast also known as jordan hunter just wanted to give a super thank you to everybody rocking with me so far on soundcloud and itunes as we bring you or i bring you the hottest interviews all around the world i am currently located in phoenix arizona visiting my parents right now give a super shout out to them happy 28th anniversary and my father a 78th birthday. My man is getting up there. But enough about them. I'm going to get on to my man of honor right now, the guest of this episode. I'm going to give a little quick spiel, a little warm up for him. Born and raised on the east side of Phoenix, proud product of East Lake uh, basketball, ball is life, and magnet traditional school system. Then we went along to North High School together and graduated in the best class, 2010, where he was also the prom king. You know what I'm saying? I was the homecoming king, but you know what I'm saying? We held it down. I went on, he went on to ASU, got a sociology degree while pledging the ice cold organization at Alpha Phi Alpha Incorporated. And the last one of the few Derrick Rose fans <laughs> out there, another one of my future groomsmen. Let's give it up for nobody else than my boy Joshua Good. What's good, my man? Hey, what's up? Man, man, man. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting in his classroom right now. I actually got to watch him, you know, in like an after school program thing and, you know, just tutoring. Like, I, and I, blows my mind like my man is really a teacher like you're really out here like doing what we used to like get in well not get in trouble for but <laughs> like how how is that how does it feel man um teaching is amazing man it's one of my like i would say it's it's a top passion of mine and it's something that i've come to learn is a passion with you know within the last year or so um but i noticed just being here like i'm here late right um all the time. I get here about 7.20 and I'm here sometimes until 5, 6, sometimes even later than that. And um, I don't ever complain about it. It's like somewhere where I'm comfortable and I like being here. So, you know, I thought I would be doing a lot of other things. You know, mm-hmm. you're around certain people all the time. You're like, I want to do this, this and that. And um, I want to make money, be successful. But I'm starting to see that it's more of like a, it's more of a, like a passion that's going to really like truly satisfy you know me my heart my spirit um because i know that i'm helping the youth which is what i ultimately want to do as i move forward Mm, that's what's up so backtracking a little bit before you got into this position and then we'll get back into it uh life before college uh so you know i'm saying we went to north high school we took over we dominated we went to class when we wanted to we got good grades we didn't get in trouble his mom was on campus all day shout out mama good um we went on an HBCU trip. You know, we went to what? Howard, Hampton, Mor- Morgan State, Norfolk. Norfolk, and then you went another time down south, right? Yeah. So why ASU? Um, for me at the time, I think it was just me being more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I wish at the time I had more of an understanding of what college was and getting away and maybe um, taking that chance and, and going to one of the schools that I did visit. 
But I think what really hit me when I was young and I wasn't fully thinking, I wasn't fully aware of a lot of the things that, you know, I would be approaching as I got to that age. Um, but I, I noticed that it was a big culture shock for me. And it's interesting to say that um, being a, a black man going to an all black school, you would think I'd be comfortable. But right. I think it was such a a big change for me because I grew up in Arizona my right. whole life. It's drastic. That's a, it's a drastic <laughs> change. Hell yeah. But and also that, like, if you don't know my background, my family is, you know, Mexican as well. So a lot of that comes from I'm familiar with my family, the things that we do out here um, earlier, like a lot of my relationships, my girlfriends mm. were, were all <laughs> Mexican, which is kind of Throwback funny. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's like, a big thing that I miss because once I did choose ASU, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that I was like <clears throat> learning more. Um, shout out to Amasu, the African-American men at ASU. But I learned more about black history, about myself, about my people. Um, and I started to realize being at a predominantly white institution as a black man, it's tough. Like, you see many different prejudices and things like that. But um, but to answer your question overall, I just felt like I was just more comfortable staying home, saving some money. I feel that. Uh, being here, you know, around my family because my sister was still young. Right. So I wanted to be able to, um, you know, be, be around, around the family them. when she grows exactly. up. Exactly. Right. Versus being further away. But I do regret it sometimes. I wanted to take that step out. But at the end of the day, I, I did what I did and I enjoyed it. And you have, uh, you, I mean, your cousin, what, Amir? Amir is at uh, Howard University, yeah, right? Howard. Yeah. That's awesome. So the what if game, if you could have gone back, money wasn't a thing. What was going to be your school out of outside of, even inside of Arizona, but outside of ASU, where would you have gone? Morehouse. Morehouse University. I, I honestly, I loved Morehouse. I liked the campus. I liked being out there. I really liked Atlanta in general. Shout out to Atlanta. <laughs> Shout out Waffle House. Man, I love Atlanta, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, if I did go back, I would. Second choice probably be Howard, though. I feel it. Yeah. Close second. So getting out of there, you went into ASU. We helped them move in. Uh, what was the first tower? Has- no, Manzanita. Yeah. For Manzi. like a week, Bro, that's and then <laughs> and then you moved over to Hacienda. <laughs> well, they had us in a house with no. I had no roommate. <laughs> Stuff was tearing off the walls. Microwave. Festus. Borrowed, sign out, microwave. But I made it, man. They kicked me out, sent me to Hasi, which was like the north side. My man. My man went over <laughs> to the good side. So Moving on up. College life, everything you thought it would have been, you know, just going yeah. from the transition of uh, you did the Sankofa pro- or program also during the summer. And then, like yeah. you said, Amasu, yeah. um, going into college, was it like the stereotypes or, you know, what you heard basically going into the next chapter? I guess you could say. Stereotypes about college? Yeah, like, you know, like, you're going to go to college, um, you know, all you're going to do is party, and, you know, you got this much freedom, and, you know, it's going to be this expensive, and the people that you graduated from high school, if you're not going to be close with in college, like, just, you know, like, the basic, uh, the norm that you had seen on TV and movies and all that stuff, was it was it too what you expected, or did it still shock you? No, I, I mean, because I went to a school where I attended school and I lived my whole life in the same state mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people that I knew um, and I was familiar with and I kind of gravitated towards those people um, and that was kind of like my core group um, as I started to meet new people and whatnot I mean I got more comfortable really quickly but I was never like the person to go into the stereotypes and party and 
<clears throat> really do all that. And I did have a good time here and there, but I was very like conservative because I was about like trying to get things done. But because you're a good man, but nah. But I think <laughs> well, I was terrified of my parents and losing money. So I just kind of one thing that I did have a tough time with though was uh, just time management my freshman year as most freshmen do because mm-hmm. you don't learn that a lot as a kid um but it it killed me my first semester or my first year of college like I think I had like a one point something GPA I had failed like my philosophy class I was taking religions of the world the same semester mm. and if you're not ready spiritually for college and having that much freedom like It'll mess you up. It'll bite, it'll bite you. It'll come back yeah. to you. And that's where I was at. I was learning things that were different than my personal beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that changed my mindset. And that really started me on a path where um, mentally and spiritually, I just wasn't there. And slowly, as I got to my sophomore year, that really hit its peak. Um, and I went through a tough time. Um, and I mean, I got out of it. But it was something that like a lot of people wouldn't really know if they don't know me. But um, that was a tough... like college first two two and a half years even beyond after that i had a lot of rocky points but it it was because of how i started Mm -hmm. Um, but able to maintain yeah so speaking about that you know like you said you were not conservative but you know you uh you you kept your head on straight and you know you got refocused and like you said you went through ups and downs and then your sophomore year um don't quote me because i don't remember the exact dates and all that stuff but you pledged uh you know, at a predominantly white institute, a historical black uh, fraternity, just like your father and a lot of other African-American men. How, what was that like from what you could tell us? I don't want to get nobody in trouble. This is a, a public claim. I'm not asking for secrets. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the one thing that I love about the organization, because I grew up not knowing much about it mm-hmm. at all. My dad never really talked about it to me. Um, I saw some things, you know, memorabilia, things from, you know, when he was in the fraternity in college that were kind of lingering around the house, but I never knew what they meant, never understood it. So when I came to college, I mean, you know, I'm telling the guys there, like, hey, I'm interested because, you know, I've heard some things about your organization. My father's a part of the organization, but I don't know much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really took for me and, you know, the guys that that I first met, Sheldon, uh, Teron, Tony, all of those guys that really helped guide me um, and tell me, like, do your research, really read up on, you know, what it is you like about the organization. And you find out so many people um, that came through the organization that met the same criteria that, you know, I want for myself as I grow and become, you know, a man. And uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Thurgood Marshall, like Paul Robeson, you know, Keenan Ivory Wayans, like Stuart Scott, yeah, you know, all of those men who are like top in what they do. Mm-hmm. And I saw that that was what I wanted. And I saw that within the guys that were there, um, you know, at the time. And so for me, yeah, my dad was a part of it, you know, like he knew, you know, he knew that I was interested or whatever, but he never talked to me about it. So mm-hmm. my real like drive was for myself um, and for understanding that. This was an organization that was not only going to, you know, benefit me, but it will benefit those um, individuals who I'm around once, you know, I became a member. So um, that's kind of like where I'm at. And uh, I just I love the fact that it was other black males that had common goals that I could be around um, and really just push myself around. 
you know, and with every organization, you have your ups and downs, and I definitely had that, but um, at the end of the day, when I look back, I'm like, I could have did things differently. Things right. could have worked out. I wish this would have happened. I wish I did that, but for the most part, what I've learned, like, was so much more positive looking back than it was negative at all, and I really, you know, appreciate the guys that helped me get through my college years um, that are in the organization, so... Shout out to y'all. Shout out to Ernest and Mark, my LBs, and all the other bros that are out there that have really just supported me. So, appreciate it. Did you have to run around campus in your socks butt naked Bro, ever? shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, I'm about to be with those guys right now in Vegas tomorrow for my boy Mark's bachelor party. So, I'm excited about that. Say it loud podcast. What is up? Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. It is your host, Boogie the Beast, getting through another episode through the Testimony Series or Season 2. If you already haven't, please go click subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and then screenshot this and send it to one person so that one person can send it to another person so that 100 people can turn into 1,000 people because I can't do this without your support. If you already done both of those, let's just go ahead and get back to this episode. So back to something else, you know, like you said, um, college is, you know, basically in the tune. Uh, you're working at Jamba Juice now, or you're, you're in and out of Jamba Juice. And then I feel, I feel like you had another job. I forgot what it was. Um, I don't know if it wasn't, but you started doing um, photography. And I know on your Instagram this whole past month of January, you were doing shout outs, commemorations, thank yous, and like just showing and paying homage to photographers. And one of them was uh, you know, a young lady named Chavo, and you said, at this point when we got done doing a project, you knew this is what you want to do with photography. Like, what, what did it for you? Like, what, what was the turning point? Was it being in front of the camera? Was it just the aspect of, of capturing? Or? Right, right. Um, I hated being in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I always do. Nobody ever sees pictures of me on Instagram or anything. Really, Fact. Because nobody really takes pictures of me, but I'm taking pictures of everybody else. Um, struggle i understand it now i know that growing up my dad had a bunch of cameras um you know my dad played a huge part in my life in general as far as creativity but just being a man in general um how to move through life but one thing that really stuck out all the time was he had his own photographs throughout the house Mm -hmm. um he had cameras like old film cameras all across the balls on like little shelves and never really understood it I just kind of was like mm, that's dope I wonder what that's about but um at the end of the day uh Chavo she worked with me at Jamba Juice and I remember her taking some photos for us like you know when we were doing our little JJ Mac JJ Mac man that was crazy <laughs> but she um you know I could tell that she really loved what she did and I wish she did it more today um, but when we got the pictures back from her and we were all excited to see them and like looking at everybody else's face, I'm like, man, everybody like truly loved these pictures. We wanted to post them. We wanted to put them on whatever we had. We, we thought we were hot. Facebook. We were really on Facebook and MySpace right. and stuff like that. So, um, I think at the end of the day, I was like, I really enjoyed the look on, you know, everybody's face when they got the pictures and I knew that there was something kind of lingering there that I wanted to do it. And I know that my dad had his camera and I would kind of pick it up here and there and just take some pictures. But that was like the real motivation. And that's kind of always been a big thing for me is just making sure that other people 
feel like they're wanted, feel like they're needed, and feel like they truly get the best of, you know, life. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I want to bring to, you know, the world. And that's what I want my legacy to be. So part of that had to be like, I'm creative. I want to do photography. Um, And that inspiration from that photo shoot that she did, like really pushed that. And then there are so many other people, you know, that I can continue to name that played a part. Yeah, and going—I mean, going off that—you kind of said it. Your father was a huge inspiration. Um, who, who else? Um, if you haven't already gone to his uh, Instagram and looked at it, um, for those on this actual interview right now, who, who would you love to like? Who would you pay homage to right now, basically, like in the photography world? Right. I mean, first and foremost, it would be Gordon Parks. Um, was a photographer, the first one for Vogue and Life magazine. He's mm. an African American man, um, and the way that he captured that time period was absolutely amazing. And I think that watching that, just taking pictures of just life happening itself um, was such a big thing for me. I'm not a huge person on like trying to get a model, tell them how to pose. This is what it's supposed to look like. Smile like this. That's not my thing. Although I do appreciate the art form Mm -hmm. and I love watching other people be able to, to curate that and make it and create it and put it into the world. But um, you know, taking those, lifestyle photos of just everyday life was like something that really had drawn to me yeah um so you you kind of like the live photography or the kodak or the um accidental you know like memory for sure and i think gordon parks did an amazing job at um making sure that you know his his photography the the framing the lighting everything with a film camera like it blows my mind what he was able to do um you know and so I always want to pay homage to him, for sure. Um, but some of my friends, I mean, a lot of my you know really close friends are photographers and people that enjoy the art form. And um, I know Justin Smith is—he's killing it right now. I mean, shout out Justin Smith for real. He's—he's <clears throat> he's got his like little studio to north, um, and he's working for Milk Studios, photo assistant on some of the most amazing sets. Um, and I truly just like watched him kind of like come into his own. And I met him at ASU through Amasu. And, you know, seeing a male so driven in what he wanted to do and made sure he stayed focused on what it was that he wanted to do, no matter how long it took um, for him to get to that point. And that's what I always kind of appreciated about Justin is his work ethic and just staying consistent um, and not really worrying about the, you know, the prettiness of you know, photography. And right. You go to his Instagram, you might not even know really that he, no. he's been interested in He's always in got like turtle emojis <laughs> on his nose and stuff like this. <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, for sure him and my homie Jerry, shout out to Jerry, just really working his way into that photography scene in New York City. Killing it. Now he's working at the Met currently right now and he's doing a great job out there. And There's so many more, you know, Andrick and um, I really want to shout out Darrell and Eva and Isaiah and uh, Ashton Alexander because they really inspired me with the creativeness part. You know, it's one thing to take a photo, but it's another thing to really like capture an entire feeling and moment. Mm-hmm. And they did that perfectly with all their photography, their videos, just everything they put together was just so cohesive and just like really well done. And that really brought me through a tough time that I went through, you know, during college. 
um, not knowing what I wanted to do, what I want my my you know my photos to look like, what I want my life to look like. Right. Watching their stuff like was an escape for me, mm. um, and that's why I always really appreciate what they do and always give them their props. But shout out to them and Darrell and Eva actually have a daughter who's around my son's age, so getting to see them like become parents too around the same time that I did is really dope. So. Y'all gonna do a concept photo shoot yet? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gonna get your son and daughter yeah, together and do to some concept? <laughs> Hit me up. Um, so, I mean, going off all that, you know, like you've done concerts. I'm um, we'll go ahead and gas up your resume a little bit. You've done Little Wayne. Um, you did Chance. You've done Miguel. Um, you did no, not you did Drake. Yeah. You were there for Drake. Um, I mean, you've done basketball camps for one of our friends, Alan. Um, you've done everybody from our friends like Adam and and Khalif. Uh, shout out to Khalif yeah. and his uh, grind with the barbering right now. Uh, like, what is sure. your I know, I know we just said like Kodak and all that stuff, but like, what is, what is the ultimate, like, what is the dream of, and we'll get into it, but what's the dream of Hometown Hero? Uh, Photography and visionary. Yeah. I mean, Hometown Hero is like a concept that I came up with um, just because I feel like artists in general in Arizona tend to leave um, and go to places, New York, LA, um, you know, the main two, um, to, to really follow their dream, make it bigger or whatever. Um, because there's a lot more opportunity and right. whatnot. But for me, it was more about um, remaining true to who I am, my hometown, um, and being that hero for my hometown. And it's something that I've been thinking about for years upon years. But I really started to go by that alias because I wanted to ensure that you know I stuck to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stick to that um, motto that I've had for myself for like the past like about six years six, seven, seven years. eight years <laughs> but just spread love and stay humble mm. um and stay humble is something that i kind of learned from justin and it's one of his models that he lives by but um i always knew that that was how i was raised that was the way that you know i was born i don't brag much about what i do i try not to throw whatever i'm doing out there too much but i'm learning that it's kind of like a it sets me back a little bit from other people because i'm not putting it out there so i'm right. getting better at it but just staying humble, remembering where I came from. As I see more success, I don't forget the people that, you know, truly have helped me get to a certain point. Right. And what's crazy is he's doing this interview for free. Like, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. One day he's going to be charging people for this. So this is why I had to do it early. Man. But I feel like that's the the, the real basis of it. Um, and I know that nobody can be big and have that support without the people that make up your clan and your pack. And the people that are around you so you have to pay homage and you have to make sure that you support people locally and push for that in your community right so um, the ultimate goal is community service um for sure documenting things within my my city within my state so that people can see the the beauty and the things that are out here because a lot of people tend to just Arizona's just dirt. You know, right. It's the old it's West. Hot. You know, it's like racist. cowboys are coming out there. Y'all got Joe Pyle. Shootout or something. <laughs> but I'm like, I want to bring some type of attention to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to do some more. I want to always do more showcases, um, you know, build that community um, and eventually start giving back through Hometown Hero. What's one of the uh, most memorable shoots you've done or one of the the times that you basically just had your camera and you were just out there and you're like, man, honestly, it's paid tough. or not even paid. doesn't matter, but just, yeah, I, I feel like 
there was one time Justin had came out here and he like rented this studio and he just called all the homies. Like he just hit us all up like, hey, can you come out here? Can you, you know, we're going to come to this studio. I have some ideas that I want to shoot. Like just everybody come. So it was like me, uh, the homie Gabe, like shout out Gabe, covert. And then it was like uh, Brandon or Crash um, out in LA right now, killing it with the music. We had Jerry, Ryan. It was just a bunch of the homies just out there, just vibing. We're just kicking it, taking pictures, like playing around. I'm shooting behind the scenes photos and video, and you know Gabe is over there moving C stands and sandbags around and lighting fixtures and all this stuff around for Justin um, and some pictures we never saw. <laughs> like, but it was like the best experience and I think honestly I understood because I felt like Justin he did this he wanted to bring his people around and that those photos were for him mm. you know I don't think anybody really ever saw all the photos but there was there was no like follow him and post them anywhere he didn't like send them to everybody it was just something he wanted to do and he did it but it was one of the most memorable times that I've had with photography Outside of all the like adventures, I've been trying to shoot concerts and stuff because I've had some crazy stories <laughs> about concerts. But like that was one of the most memorable ones. But I would say the second would probably be the time where I had to shoot J. Cole. Um, oh, I forgot about Cole. I'm surprised he didn't reach across and man, punch me. bro. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I think it was just crazy because my credential situation got mixed up and I was hot. I came all the way out there. I was ready. But Cole, if you don't know, is my favorite rapper, artist. And there was no way that I was about to just go home because they mixed up my credential situation. So I finessed the hell out of everybody at that little kiosk. I came back like 20 minutes later because um, I was early, about an hour early. So I waited 20 minutes, came back. They switched people. So I told them, like, yeah, I was just here, like, earlier, blah, 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 like, my credentials, my name should be right there. They're like, oh, yeah, your name's here. And then they gave me new credentials, and I finessed my way in there. Finesse came. But it took me forever, like, then I was, like, running around, trying to make sure I got to the right media place. And I'm, like, hustling at this point, trying to get there before they start walking everybody into the, you know, uh, get their the spots. little pit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just the most hectic like night because I was just my heart was pounding the whole time I'm like I came all the way out here for my favorite artist I'm about to finally get to shoot photos of him you know not just on a camera phone or something you know, but, um, or, <laughs> but that was kind of like one of the craziest experiences because I was drenched in sweat but it really showed me that I was willing to go beyond and that's so out of my character to try to like talk my way out of something because I'm very like just chill and quiet when it comes to being out by myself or doing things and so for me to like come up with all these ways and problem solve Euro stepping around the situations I it helped me understand that I could I could do this more often Mm -hmm. and it can be something beneficial for me what's up say loud family once again it is your host boogie the beast just wanted to give a drop off real quick that if you have a testimony or somebody that you know that has a story or any business adventures or entrepreneurs out there that want to get on the podcast once again the email to go ahead and get a hold of me is say it loud podcast 68 at gmail.com or they can hit me up on any of my social networks all spelled the same b-o-o-g-i-e-d-e-b-e-a-s-t 
My goal is to get everybody's voice heard and everybody's story heard to somebody who's never heard it. So, but as we get into the second half of this, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Let's get back. So getting into the last piece of this, um, breaking it down, we've talked about it a few times with legacy and your pops and all that stuff. We're going to get down to family. Um, you know, you come from a, a not not a, I mean, the average family. You have uh, two younger siblings. Shout out Jalen, J-Bug at ASU. He's going to hate me for calling him that. <laughs> and Ayana, uh, she's what, eighth grade now? Eighth, seventh, sixth? Oh, she's in fifth. Oh, gosh. She's, she's like, like, she she's like 5'10". My bad. <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, like now you have your own. And, uh, you know, baby OG out here, man. Like, how, how does it feel to go from the, the only child um, to having, you know, two younger siblings to, like you said, moving out of the house, but still being here to see your sister grow to um, getting into a marriage with the beautiful Adelaide. Good. Um, and then, you know, have an OG, bro. Yeah, man. I think family has always been at the top of my list when it comes to my priorities. And, you know, starting off as, you know, a younger you know, kid, I didn't have my brother for like six years. Mm-hmm. So I was the only child up until like six years old. Um, and so our environment's a little different. Like I grew up at that time, I was on the east side. I east side? Um, <laughs> you know, I lived with my grandfather. He had a duplex in the back. We lived with my grandfather. Then we lived down the street from um, my mom's parents. And, um, you know, and being in that environment at one point it was like a one bedroom apartment so I slept on the couch and you know I remember roaches and next door my Thea used to live next to us so like we go to her house and then she's jumping over chairs because there's rats or a little mouse running by and it was just y'all like, don't know nothing about the real struggle okay it's like you know you had those big heaters and if you touch the heater like gone you were blouses you were gone so it was like going from that and I watched my parents really like strive and move forward with their lives and push themselves and they really saved a lot of money at that time mm. just something i'm unaware about and right. just kind of and that as a kid those things are normal to you so you don't realize that you're sh- struggling you know quote but at the end of the day i watched them move from living in that condition to being you know in middle class home um and my mom's always you know worked for schools and she worked for the city for a little bit she was a social worker um, behavior interventionist and watching her maneuver through that and get her master's while she had kids and then my dad you know pushing working for different companies and then finally like his company philosophy left to New York and he ended up like he's like we either move to New York or I start my business and then watch him start his business and grow that to you know damn the, I almost lost success, <laughs> the success that he has reached you know and it's really inspiring and so they've pushed me and my siblings and, um, you know, to, to be the best that we can. And they give the advice that they can, you know, give to us, but they can't give us all the answers. But, you know, family, watching that motivation family has definitely been, you know, at the top of my list. And so with that, you know, being the oldest, my brother is six years younger than me. My sister's 13 years younger than me. So a lot of my closest friends I see more as brothers like because they're the closest to me so um just because of age there's a lot of differences between you know my sister and I my brother and I right so people like you you know Bryce 
and even, you know, Ryan, Jerry, all of like JJ Mack, the people that have been there like for me the most um, have truly molded me um, and showed me what family can be. And it's more than just blood. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the people that are there for you, you trust um, and remain there. Because I notice as I get older and I do have my family, I have my wife, I have my son. I don't get to hang out and do those things that single people do all the time. <laughs> so when I do, like, I'm there. Like, I can be there, but there's just things I don't do, and I don't have time for people like I used to. I right. teach full-time, then I'm doing photography immediately. And so that family dynamic you still go with some change of the diapers. people. Yeah, it's a family dynamic with some of these people that I was so close to. You separate. But one thing I always, you know, know is that I'm still going to show love to you when I see you. But if you choose to separate yourself that's on you like i don't want that to happen but if you separate yourself because you think i'm falling distant it's not anything personal it's just that i don't really have as much time right it's a growth thing and uh you know so growth you know like you said jj matt um you know it was seven of us at one point in time um basically with that uh you were the first one you know to get into a serious relationship and then you were uh you know with lay after uh let me see what Freshman year of college, sophomore, junior, senior year, graduation. Six, five, five years, right? Before you got engaged? Five, five, five six. Yeah, I'm not putting you on the spot with that. We Matt. started dating in 2010. Yeah. And then we went into 2014 when we got engaged. So first first ones out of the uh, my family and friends, or I say my closest friends, um, you know, to get married. And then first to have a kid, like, what was, what was the best part about, you know, like, not setting a standard, but being... You know the first, like I mean, you you're the the inspiration. You're the 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 example for us, and I mean, you're setting it very well. You did you did everything right. You did everything you know a, a mother and father could ask. What was what was in your opinion the your favorite part of well, the whole process so far? Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, that's what people perceive for sure. You know, because that's the image that kind of comes across. And that stems from my family in general, because my family comes from a very, like, political background. And I think my grandfather being vice mayor, being a councilman, um, and really being a leader in the black community, which I can get more into, but that translates to my father and his brothers and saying, hey, you got to have a certain image. Um, And that's my family in general. That's how they portray themselves. They act as if some things, you know, aren't happening. And we all have things that go on in our families, but what ends up being shown is just, you know, overall mm. good. And I mean, no pun intended. No pun intended on that one. <laughs> but I think that the most important thing about that is that um, at the end of the day, I make my mistakes. Everything hasn't been all like glitz and glamour. Um, but being in a relationship truly brings that out of you. Um, and now I'm being a father and that's even a whole nother world. And I think people automatically assume that things are, you know, if you're still married, you have a kid, your family's like perfect. Right. And, you know, we have our ups and downs like everybody else. And I really have been learning not only about my wife, my son, my other family members, but I'm starting to learn more about myself. And I don't think I ever spent that much time doing that. Mm. I, I was the type of person and still am that tend to focus on other people and make sure everybody else is good before I tend to myself. And that was kind of what drifted me down, um, you know, into that slump for so long. 
But I know that now I have to set that example and step up and be responsible for my own son, my child, um, and be that, that husband and be, you know, that son or brother that I may not have been in the past years, you know? And I always thought about strengthening that and making sure that I focus as much as I can on bettering myself so that I can improve my family dynamic and make things better. Um, because for sure, like I said, I've, I've made mistakes, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I improve upon that. And that's kind of like my, that's why my family's there, they're my rock. But, you know, sometimes rocks get moved. <laughs> rocks get moved, baby. So, yeah, man, I think family has always been that that thing for me. And a lot of people notice that. And I, I enjoy that people look to my family as a... Good know, family. Yeah, or in even just a family that, you know, is doing well for themselves. But, you know, nothing's perfect. Right. And that's definitely what I try to tell other people, especially get into relationships. This era, people are getting divorced by the you know, mm. dozen quickly. And nobody understands the work that goes into maintaining a relationship versus, you know, what you see. Right. And I'm the type of person, like, on Instagram, Facebook, you don't really see much about my relationship. Never. And the reason for that is because I don't necessarily like putting it out to the world. That's my happiness. That's my love. That's my rock. That's what I put time into individually i could put everything else out there so this is what this is this is what that is but at the end of the day i want something from myself and that's my relationship and nobody else can have that unless i let you in you know and you're somebody close to me or you see us on a daily basis but i'm not going to be boastful i'm not going to like show this is what we're doing today everything <laughs> is so perfect bagels because y'all match on dates i don't know we've never matched in <laughs> all what almost eight years um but that's kind of something I wanted for myself, you know, and this is a generation where everything is out there. Everything is exposed. We know everything about everybody's life. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're going to know everything. Like, We should all be in this together. <laughs> we should be one big ass. Join our relationship. <laughs> Come on in. We got one more room. But that's, it's not easy for sure. It's work to right. maintain that family and that sense of like just direction in your relationship and to even be going on, what, eight years and had our hiccups and mistakes and, you know, breakups, whatever. But at the end of the day, we find a way to problem solve um, and get through it. And it's not going to be easy ever, but not to give up. Don't give up so easily. and Try not to make other people's relationships the standard for your own. You know yourself the best. You know your significant other the best. You should fight with it for whatever, you know, it is, but... Well, all that being said, we have to do it in order for our son to have the life that we want him to live. That's right. So, so speaking about that, I mean, little OG, um, I'm sure he can hear this, but he probably won't comprehend it for a while. Um, family lineage, you know, you talked about it a little bit. Um, your father, um, you know, started up everything again when his, you know, his, like you said, philosophy company left. Yeah. Started up his company. Um, you know, mother worked for the school system now for 20, 15, 20, 20, 25 <laughs> years. Let's go back a little bit further. Your grandfather, like you said, um, state councilman, um, you know, over 20 years, has a building in downtown named after him, the Calvin C. Good Municipal Building. Your grandmother, Georgina, uh, rest in peace Georgie, to her. Georgie, Georgie, excuse me. Yeah. 
Uh, rest in peace to her. She was an educator, uh, another uh, obviously a civil rights activist next to your uh, grandfather for 50, 50, 52 years, 55 years, 50 plus years of marriage. It felt like forever. Ever, ever. <laughs> um, what, what is, like, how does it feel when people meet you? Um, I was talking with another guy, actually, Dom. Shout out Dom. He was telling me that he had worked with your grandfather to uh, open up the, the George Carver building. George Washington Carver. George Washington Museum. Carver Museum. Yeah. And he met your grandfather before he met you. And then he was like, wow, like I work with your grand, like, how does it feel? Like, like you said, hometown hero, spread love. And you know, your grandfather set up this huge foundation. And now you're at the point where, you know, your grand or your, excuse me, your father's in his like, you know, getting up to your grandfather's level or status of, you know, just family and all that stuff. And then you're getting up to your father. Like what is, what is the foundation for Josh right now? Like how does family lineage feel? Like you, you're a legacy. Yeah. For sure. I think my grandfather has definitely set the example for all of us. Um, and from his relationship, you know, with my grandmother to the way he raised his children um, and the things that he did in his you know, work life and career. Um, and I think what he always, always, always um, showed me was that you have to like you have to speak up for yourself. You have to not let anybody run over you and make sure that no matter what you're doing, you're always ready to benefit your community and your family. Um, and so, of course, throughout the years, like because of so much success that he's had within the city, especially the black community, it's kind of like a lot of older black people. Every time I meet somebody, especially being an alpha and going to these events and things, and I'm like, they see my last name and they're like, are you? possibly related to Calvin and I've heard it my whole life my dad and his brothers they get it all the time too and it's like yes we are you know and sometimes I can see how people fall under people's shadow Mm -hmm. but one thing that I've always done is I've never felt that I've always embraced it um you get tired of hearing like yeah yeah I am and sometimes it gets you in places because they know who your grandfather Ah, you Calvin's grandson Ah. (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah I think that's like at the end of the day, I know that my grandfather has done so much for us to get to this point. Mm. And by us, I don't just mean my family. I mean our community. Right. Um, and he he kind of put that that fire in me. And what's interesting, my grandmother, too, being, you know, a poet, she published her books, um, you know, and she also, you know, was a teacher for so many years. And I find it so crazy that, you know, I ended up in this position teaching as well, mm-hmm. being a creative, writing. Um, you know, when I did my first spoken word piece, it was inspired by her. And it was like both of them, I may not have got to be around them as much um, because they were older. Um, they were older grandparents. Right. Um, so it was just kind of like you don't connect with them as well. But when I'm around them, I learn so much. And I realize how much I'm a product of them and what they've taught me. So... With that, he's he's inspired me um, for sure to give back to our community, be involved, um, and speak up for the things you see wrong. And what's crazy too is that both of my grandparents were on the board for the district that I work for now. Um, so it's just kind of like, like a lot of things God's lining up for you right now. It all kind of connected, awesome. and so I I love it. I embrace it. Um, and I really try to live up 
to those expectations. And I don't find it a problem whatsoever, as most people would. Like, they stress themselves out until they meet that expectation. It's more of a goal for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't seem, I don't feel like I have to reach that point, like, for them. It's more like, I want to do these things and make change in a community. Because um, it's crazy hearing the stories. He's told me, like, you know, my dad has told me that he's gotten letters from the Ku Klux Klan. He's gotten um, his tax office, which is attached to his house, it was defaced by white supremacists. And getting all of these things throughout his life and t- people telling him, no, or you can't do this. Like, this man wasn't even supposed to live past, like... Right, he was sick. Yeah, he was... No, he had, a, like, they said he had a heart problem. Mm-hmm. There was something wrong with his heart, and he only had some years to live, and he'd be dead way before his I was 18th a teenager, birthday. yes. Yep. Yeah. And to see him live, he's 92 I mean, 91 at this point and, you know, impacting with so much stress, like stress impacts the heart to live 91 years, you know, and still to this day, he does not stop working. This man's been retired for years and he's always gone. He'll be in the hospital one day and then pop out the hospital and go right to a meeting for like the city or something that's going on. Um, And I think that that's inspiring enough, you know, to be at his age. And always thinking about what else he can do while he's here, you know. And that's what I want to push forward with. And I think that might be a route that I've really been thinking about later down the road, getting into politics. Um, And God's lining some things up for me that I thought I knew what my plan was. Do photography, get noticed, go on tour with somebody, go do this and this and that and live that glamorous life. But... I'm starting to mature a little bit more and understand that he's putting these things in my life for a reason. Mm. And I've worked for a school for years, since about 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm, I've worked at this school. Now I'm teaching at this school. And I'm like, there's no reason all of this stuff is connecting. For no reason. For no reason. That's so right. I stopped. You know, I let go and let God at this point. And so now I'm like, I'm going to stick to teaching and focus on that and put my heart into it because I love it. And still do the photography to get my art and just to debrief from the world and right. stress. And that's my outlet. But <clears throat> I know that politics might be something that I end up doing down the road um, just because it's always been in me through him. I've been in student councils, you know, in both middle school and high school. And then being on boards uh, for my fraternity and for um, Amasu and just being on that executive board and being in a leadership position, I see the change that I can make while I'm there. And so I really, down the road, do want to pursue that. Um, and even if that's to benefit education, because I see what's happening to our like brown and black kids, man. And we're just kind of falling to the falling wayside. Falling to a system. Yep. We fall to the wayside into the system. And the only way that we can change that is getting people in those positions. And if I can't just talk about it, I have to strive and get to that point to make that change. Because nobody, if nobody else is going to do it, somebody has to. So I've um, been talking to a few friends and people who's, you know, fathers, right positions, yeah, yep. fathers and grandfathers are also staples in the black community. And we're all talking about it down the road as it might be something that we all pursue to try to bring that back around so that it's equal and we have a fair chance. It's not to say black people are the only things that matter, but to me, that that's the truth. That's what I see on a daily basis. So I can only impact what I see. Mm. Um, And that's what I want to do. 
you know. So he's definitely set that example. And I think that that's something down the road that I'll probably definitely be in. So Josh Good, 2044. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So getting into the last little piece of this real quick, once again, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Say a loud podcast with my guest of the hour today, Mr. Josh Good. Let's talk about it real quick, man. So like y'all know, and we were talking about this before we started this, Josh and I have been friends for 12 years now, 11, 12 years. I've known this man to have a ball fade to <laughs> curls, to a ball fade, to locks, to a fade, to a taper, back to the locks now. I'm sitting in front of this man. He has locks, bro. What like what? What is the... Uh, is the hair a type of expression? It, was it just too hot? Like, do you just like it during certain seasons in your life? Like, what what is what is hair to you? I don't, I don't know, bro. I get tired. <laughs> of, I get tired of things easily. I I tend to like just try new things and mm-hmm. different things. And sometimes I like a style. Sometimes I don't. Um, but I mean, as far as the locks go, I started growing them what, like 2011 ish. I started them in 2012 on January 1st, and I kept them for a while, but um, it was just a time period where my hair reflected my life, and I was just like... Something new. F it. Right. <laughs> so I was letting it grow, and it was long, and I I just got to a point where I was going through so much in that span of like 2012, about 2013-ish, and... Uh, I let them go. You know, I didn't know how to take care for my hair really as much. Um, I didn't realize that like tending to it and was and all that stuff. But I didn't want that. Like that to me, I personally feel like that that um, that spirit, that feeling, that energy stays within your whole body, including your hair. And it felt like a liberation thing. Like I was like, I can't keep growing these because of what I went through. So I cut them and started focusing on myself and trying to build a better me and you know I have some struggles and bumps and bruises but you know now I've hit a point where I feel much more comfortable um I feel much more alive and purpose driven but still you know I'm struggling but my hair is definitely a reflection and as I grow it I take pictures and I look back I'm like man at this point when I have my hair this long this is what I was going through right at this point this is what I was going through and then you know here I am now at the present and you know, we're doing this podcast and this is going to be one of those memories like, oh man, my hair is, you know, I'm holding this by a bobbin pin right here. <laughs> it's not long enough to get the complete ponytail. But, but I can remember those things when I, you know, as I go and, you know, if I cut it, I cut it, but it'll be on my terms and when I personally and spiritually feel that I want to. So, but that's always been, it's nothing like serious until I started growing the locks and I really started to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But before I was just, Growing it to grow? Yep, grow it, cut it, tired of doing it, tired of, you know, tending to it, go back to the waves. It's just like, I don't know. I'm telling y'all, I was there. I was there from the comb to the pick, y'all, I promise. Um, so going off that, uh, what's one thing in your life that you haven't done that you really wanted to do or still want to do, and what's stopping you from doing it? Um, We'll go short term. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's a very tough question. I think travel for sure is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being in a different environment, 
I really want to take more photos outside of my city, you know, so being able to travel, whether it's up to Sedona, you know, or even if it's New York or out of the country, Paris, which is definitely a goal of mine this year. We can go back, bro. I promise. <laughs> I love that place. But I, I just really have had a tough time, you know, um, getting used to living that life as a father. Right. And I think that's the most important thing for me is gaining traction on that mm-hmm. and understanding like all the things that I personally thought were just for me. Now it's out the window. Like I have somebody, a whole body, like a whole little person. Looks just I like you. To, <laughs> I have to like tend to him and make sure that everything is good with him before myself. And people won't understand that until they go through it. Um, but when people tell you that it's definitely for sure. And you see those parents who don't care about their kids <laughs> and they go and they, they do whatever they want, but you do have to make sure that your child He's tended to first, exactly. right? Exactly. That brings me peace and allows me to be able to do the things I want to do. Okay. And um, last but not least, one of the last things I'll wrap it up with is, so funny enough, this question wasn't exactly for you, but um, first day of high school, I was walking in uh, with one of my good friends and brother, Kembrell. And, uh, you know, we see this kid walking around with one of the teachers like, huh, must be nice to be walked around by a teacher finding out where you're going. And it was actually Josh and his mom. Um, But going off that question, you have a two minute phone call with a young Joshua walking into North High School in 2006 at the time, but 2006, 2007, freshman year. Um, What would you have told him to prepare for this or would you have told him to affirm what he was doing was the right or wrong things man he answers the phone <laughs> uh stay away from them girls man no. <laughs> <laughs> no i honestly i would i would tell him to to be more aware of himself and the things that he's going forward and going to you know to see and confront in his life um whether that is relationships with women um, and that's not something big that I was like really discussed in my household. So it was like, you're not supposed to have a girlfriend until you're 16. And I was like, yeah, I'm still going to have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and so I held it, you know, to my parents and all that. But I really, I really would tell them like, slow down, experience life. Like you don't have to necessarily just be in relationships, like get to know yourself Take advantage of every opportunity that's given to you. Um, I missed out on a lot of things in um, student council and things like that um, that were pivotal, you know, to like things and relationships. And I wish that I would have, you know, really watered and, you know, tended to. So taking the opportunities that are given to me um, because I could have gone to school probably on a full ride if I really focused and did what I was supposed to do. Um. I just felt like it was never going to end. All the fun and just hanging out and whatever was never going to end. I could just keep doing that. But I never really, you know, buckled down until life hit me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized what I missed and things I could have did better. And But if you, you know, focus on that too much, then you're really just missing out everything else that's happening to you. Right. Around so I you had to, you know, I wish I would have told him, like, hey, like, Continue growing. Continue moving forward. Don't ever like look back at things you already did. Focus on the things that you're going to do because you can't change anything that happened in the past. 
can only change the things that have, you know, that are going to be coming to you and the things that you're doing right now at this moment. Because we can't live. We don't know if we'll live till tomorrow. You can only control what you're doing. Um, Present. So at, at this time, and, and that's one thing that I definitely wish I would have understood mm-hmm. as a young kid and not just kind of moving through life. Like, yeah, mom, I'll get to it. Whatever. I don't want to hear Like, I didn't realize how important my mother, you know, my father is pushing me and trying to keep me focused was until I got that freedom in college. And right. Failed <laughs> that class, boy. You got one more time. Yeah, man. So that's what I would tell myself. And just stay focused and be consistent and don't ever, like, do way too many things at once. Focus on one thing so that you can master that instead of trying to be a master, you know, of everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Mr. Good, I appreciate you sitting down with me for this episode, um, dropping gems about not only family, um, but, you know, just like you said, just staying goal-driven and continuing to get into a passion rather than going after the profit of your own self and things like that. And I mean, I know you, obviously, but there's still a lot of things, a lot of questions I had to dig deep for, like, what do I really want to hear from Josh during this interview? Not what, well, what other people wanted to hear, but what I could still learn from. And, you know, I appreciate that. Um, But the floor is yours, man. I know you have, like you you said earlier, Hometown Heroes and a few other things you want to plug. So floor is yours before I wrap it up. Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm going to be doing a a photo showcase soon. I'm shooting for the end of February, but some things are like clashing and it's not really working like that, like I wanted to, but it may fall further into March. Um, But it is a photo showcase by Hometown Hero. Um, really just focused on, you know, the, the fight and the struggle that black men are going through, um, and things that we're experiencing. And so it's like photos that represent that. But every time I do a showcase, there's something attached to it, a charity or something that I want to give back to, um, cause that's the whole basis of hometown hero. And so any proceeds or anything that I'm making will go to my eighth grade students, um, because they are at, you know, there are a lot of kids that are living in conditions where, you know, they can't afford that and their families can't afford it. And, you know, you're getting a lot of kids from these different areas <clears throat> whose parents just, you know, they don't make enough to send them to like their eighth grade trip mm. um, to pay for graduation fees. And so one of the things that I'm going to do is be able to give all those proceeds and things back to those students so that they can go and enjoy, um, you know, something that they won't get back because that's something that I know that I didn't take advantage of completely is, understanding that what you get at this time it may seem small you may want to go to high school and college and get rid of all this other school stuff you're doing but like a lot of things like that eighth grade trip I took like is memorable that's something that I truly wish I would have spent more time like really living in the moment when I went there so I that's what I got going on right now and that's what I'm looking forward to but uh, at the end of the day man I just kind of wanted to to kind of let people know too is that um when you maneuver through life and there's going to be obvious ups and downs and things that you face but your spirituality man that that's probably going to be your savior some of you people it's going to be it's going to be jesus christ mm. you know some people it may be buddha krishna or whoever you personally feel your Why ancestors <laughs> your ancestors your your own being, the universe, whatever you want to call it, that's going to bring you the most peace in order for you to be able to do the things you want to do. And so if you don't get that peace right, 
he would ruin you. And I'm only saying that because that's what, you know, I've been going through and what I, I have gone through. And some still remnants of that are still falling, you know, behind right now. But have to, have to, have to take care of yourself. And self-care is probably the biggest thing that a lot of people will never be taught in school or anywhere else that play a major part in the things that you want to accomplish. So that's what I got to say partially out loud because I don't speak very loud. <laughs> How do you spell hometown heroes for those out there that need to? Yeah, hometown hero is just hometown, H-O-M-E-T-O-W-N. And then hero is H-E-R-E-A-U-X. Got that like little French twist to it. <laughs> My family's last name origin is French, which is why I kind of threw that in there. But yeah, so that's hometown hero. You can follow me there, or at my personal page at the Good Life T H A G O O D E L I F E. So yeah, uh, we appreciate that, man. We'll make sure to get that into the link or the bio for that. Um, hopefully, you set up a GoFundMe or something like that, just in case for those there will be, yeah. that uh, you know can't make it to the show. Sure. But once again, it was Say Aloud Podcast. Another episode down. I appreciate everybody who made it this far. Sent it to somebody via SoundCloud, via iTunes, via text message. Ah, email this to you. You have no excuse. Once again, it is your host, Boogie the Beast. And until next episode, I holla. Stay black. Stay woke. <laughs>